This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I am Mike Spears. Usually you'd be hearing Aaron Bentley here, but he is on assignment. But no fear, I am joined by Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Oh, Mike. I'm here. I'm not on assignment. I am not at Harry Potter World. I am, in fact, in my office. Ready to podcast about All Elite Wrestling Dynamite television show. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, this was a show that, like, I was really, really stoked when I was doing my portion of Light last night. And I was like, I was like, I'm going to get let down again because of how managing expectations are with this company. And maybe I never bought into the idea that the Japanese chaos members, Kazuchika Okada or Tomohiro Ishii were going to be there tonight. So I was not let down, but I, I distinctly feel like that I might be alone on this uh, island though, on this show. Yeah. Uh, I'll save that for my delete because that is my delete. Um, but that did, <laughs> I mean, this was a really well executed show overall, I think. Um, you know, all, all all the wrestling was especially good, I thought, on this show. Uh, but yeah, I'm kind of just in a weird headspace <laughs> in general. Um, so it should be a delightfully weird show to talk about. Should we talk about why we both are a little bit distracted <laughs> right now before we get into the show itself? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I spent, you know, like at least a good 30 minutes out of the latter half of this show uh, distracted reading posts about the apparent death of Richard Lotax Kianka, uh, Lee Summit, Missouri's favorite son. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't really, you know, by all reports, shitty dude, uh, but, you know, a massive figure in internet culture. Uh, and we both, of course, used his website. And uh, I think uh, I saw a post from you relatively recently about something in, in Puro, even so continue to use it from time to time. Um, <laughs> just super weird and bizarre. And, uh, you know, all the, all the essay forum posters coming out of the woodwork on Twitter and elsewhere to post about it during this show was extremely distracting to me. Yeah. Like this is the night that I'll be like, all right, we're going to see Leo Rush trending. Like we saw Okada trending earlier. And I half expect by the time we're done recording this, Nate, to see Lotax trending. I'm like, wow. All right. Because like one of the key figures of like web 1.0 and like, like the dissemination of internet culture, like we both post on essay i know a lot of our friends did like kind of found a kind of found each other through essay so it's a very weird thing yeah no i posted earlier today about one of my favorite gimmicks in all of wrestling space galaxy mechanic <laughs> right. ball 
Yes, of course. I, I can't believe I forgot the content of that post. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's super weird, you know, um, guy who started a, a website, I mean, a website that really birthed 4chan and everything that comes with that, a website that birthed Let's Plays and everything that comes with that, um, you know, just like really a, a foundational website in the weird corner of internet culture uh, uh, that we're in. So, yeah, it's super just... bizarre. And, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, goons rarely, rarely actually funny, but uh, some actually funny posts here in the aftermath of this uh, event. Yeah, the the one that like really I was like, all right, this is how we're treating this was the person who tweeted, damn, the guy I died owed me $500. <laughs> like that was the one that kind of was like all right this is we're just going to post about this which you know i think for a pretty like shitty dude especially towards the end uh kind of fitting just like posting his l's so yeah, yeah no I, no uh no more appropriate remembrance than uh there's an old tweet from years and years and years ago probably 10 years old at this point uh that when someone dies twitter becomes like a race for everyone to cram the same turd into a single toilet uh and that's uh kind of kind of what's happening currently and uh no no more fitting tribute to the man than uh you know thousands of unfunny posts and maybe six good ones being made uh about his death yeah i mean that is the something awful experience writ and large so this is uh, Everything Elite 149. Uh, we are... Aaron is, is not going to know what the fuck we're talking about when he catches up on this show. He's going to be like, what? This is what happens. Aaron goes and has a nice vacation for someone who works like as much as he does him and SB. You know, spending a nice time, you know, going to Harry Potter World and whatever. And he leaves the kids at home and we immediately start talking about a guy died in great posts about the guy's death. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't think he has. I don't think he has the slightest clue. Really, probably better off. Oh, absolutely better off. I mean, the best post that I've seen to this point is uh, the goons underscore txt account, which was quoting, I think, a an actual post in the in the forum thread that was rip. This website has had a staggeringly large effect on the trajectory of my life, and for that, I'll never forgive him. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty much perfect eulogy. Yeah. No, nah, I mean, there's no better way to put it than that post. Uh, so thanks for listening. Uh, this is, as usually, this is where we go into, like, we're members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This is our final show on VOW, as we talked about last week. Uh, this is ends our near three-year run, 149 episodes. Thanks to Voices of Wrestling, of course, for hosting us and giving us our lane for let let us be weird and talk about posting for five minutes on the the last episode of here uh i'm not gonna belabor the point too much on this there's a whole lot more stuff kind of worth getting into uh we mentioned last week if you want to follow the follow the show best place to do it at everything aew on twitter nate is at epitasis i am at fujiheya with two eyes and aaron is at Aaron like the car. Subscribe to the podcast. 
Oh, Nate, you look like you're about, yeah, something you're about to add in. I was going to add it in right there. Uh, perfect place to mention, yeah, since we will be leaving the VOW network, uh, if you want to continue receiving our show on your devices, in your podcatchers, on your ear holes, uh, make sure you're subscribed. Yes, your wearables, your uh, shower Bluetooth speakers. I don't know. Uh, make sure you're subscribed to our individual Everything Elite feed on the application of your choice on the apple podcast app on your stitcher amazon audible spotify i mean there's probably a dozen more i'm missing but that way you'll make sure you keep getting it uh because we're going to keep making it and we're going to hope to you know hopefully keep improving it and having fun um and yeah yeah if you're looking for like a direct link for that we have a link tree set up on our Twitter profile, or if you just search everything elite uh, into your podcatcher, as Nate said, you can find us there. And if you are using the Apple Podcast app, the best way that you can help out the show is to rate and review us because going forward, now more so than ever, we'll be more uh, dependent on that sort of thing. I think that's fair to say. So be sure to do five stars and leave a review. And if you want to support, everything elite the best way to do so is at patreon.com slash everything elite we'll get into all the stuff that we offer there later on in the show but nate it is time to play elite or delete and for any first time uh listeners boy weird episode to come in on but thanks for (laughs) listening uh elite or delete is a game we play every week where we talk about our favorite things from aew dynamite and our least favorite things we kind of believe that you kind of do compliment sandwiches around here and you should be willing to you know criticize the things you love so we either we pick one thing to elite or delete each week and we take listener elites and deletes from our patrons as well so nate lead us off here what was your favorite thing on tonight's show yeah so like i mentioned really good wrestling on this show like the matches uh were i think even a cut above they they typically are and you know uh, uh excellent in a way that the matches in this promotion aren't always um the one i want to specifically shout out is the tag match between Masadel, Lee Moriarty, uh, and versus Leo Rush and Dante Martin. Um, and really, they hit all the best notes of what I guess maybe you would call the independent style or, or really the AEW style is at this point, where those guys went out and had a awesome technical exchange at the beginning of this match and had some awesome technical wrestling at the beginning. You've got Lee Moriarty and Dante Martin in the big spot on television, uh, just looking totally smooth and comfortable there. Uh, and then they escalated and heightened that match and made it more exciting and, you know, up the pace of it. Uh, and by the end of it, they were, you know, pulling out the big spots and showing off all the high spots these guys can do with the flips and the jumping and the, you know, matrix dodges and all this shit. Uh, so just great action, but also incorporating the story that they're telling here in a really great way, which, uh, you know, I think is also kind of AEW at its best. It's not necessarily all the melodrama and, you know, uh, uh, looking at their hands and all this shit, but just having natural sort of interactions where Leo Rush is acting like his character would across the ring from Matt Seidel, who he, you know, stole Dante Martin away from. Uh, and, you know, Lee Moriarty's kind of got a chip on his shoulder about 
uh, Leo Rush and his bad relationship with his mentor, Matt Seidel, and just lots of, you know, different characters and natural interactions between them playing out in the course of this match, uh, but never distracting from just like the great fucking action. Um, and I think the success of this match really comes across when you just see how the crowd reacted to it because, you know, these three of these guys are, well, let's see. Who's the most pushed out of these guys? Or who's the most established? Like, I guess Leo Rush had the WWE run. Yeah. Um, but he was kind of like a manager. He was obviously never able to be featured to the full extent of his talent. Um, so you probably go back to like Matt Seidel because he had the long run there uh, and at least, you know, got to the, per- the point of like having tag title reigns and shit. Um, but he's been, you know, probably correctly positioned in this company as like a lower mid card kind of guy, a great talent who can go out and have great matches with people, uh, but isn't going to be, you know, featured at the top of the card or anything like that. Um, but these four guys who is basically, you know, two unknown talents, you've got, Leo Rush, who's kind of known, but uh, is, is basically having his real AEW debut in this match. Uh, and then Matt Seidel, who is, you know, basically a career mid-carder um, coming out here. And they just got this match over to a huge degree. Crowd going crazy. You know, all the requisite chants, your AEWs, your This Is Awesomes, all that stuff. Uh, and that was just awesome to see, like, oh, these four guys just went out there with pure fucking talent um, and, and got this match over and got people invested in this storyline which, uh, you know, credit, a, credit to AEW. They've been giving it a lot of time to let it get to this point. So I uh, was very, very happy with this match. Really got me excited. Um, just kind of the perfect mix of ingredients of what I want to see in this company. Yeah, this just absolutely was my kind of match. Like, Nate, as soon as this match got, got announced, you probably knew, like, oh, Mike's going to go nuts about this match. And, yeah, no, this was everything I hope for in this. And I think it's like the, the, the person that really like made the huge step forward to me in this was Lee Moriarty, who is someone, you know, really only became an independent name last year in the middle of COVID. And this was his first AEW TV match. Like he was, he did stuff on that rampage buy-in with uh, Bobby fish, but most of his stuff has either been on the YouTube product. So him coming out and first like was, immediately over was really awesome to see and then just immediately was in his element which absolutely rocks and then you're like matt seidel in a way like he's been doing these kind of matches basically for 15 years 16 years maybe close to 20 years at this point so like the perfect person to kind of be a glue here and then leo rush and his tv debut i mean it was something that like when he got the focus in the match and was doing like his crazy kicks and he was like, Oh, since Dante Martin is really the permanent high flyer in this company, I'm not going to really fly. I'm going to do a couple of tope suicidas, but I'm going to focus on other things in this match because it's going to make, you know, for Dante. Cause like, I mean, why would I want to go do like my frog splash or anything like that? When Dante Martin seems to like not be restrained by the laws of physics. So it just all came together in this really right way. It was laid out brilliantly. Like it was exactly what one would really hope for in this. And just was like the fact that like also they had, this was the semi-main event match on the show with with the people that you mentioned and and like the roles they really had leading into this promotion and leading into this match, which I, I, I mean, that takes some gumption to do. And 
for a crowd that was kind of iffy at times, they really got into it the right points here. And it, it just peaked in the right way. Everyone came off looking like a star. And, you know, it's something where, like, I'm excited to see where this goes because this did not feel like, like, the big conclusion match. Like, this is an ongoing storyline that I feel like that they've really, like, have found a way to highlight this, the, this like, storyline going on and its permutations over the last few months on all of their programming. And that's really, really awesome. And, you know, it absolutely ruled. Yeah, it's been well-paced, I think. This is not one of their feuds where I'm going, is this is this still happening? Are these guys still wrestling week in and week out? Um, you know, it's still still in the stages where I'm excited to see, you know, where it develops and where it goes. Yeah, I think um, in terms of, you know, Lee Moriarty and, and where he's come so far in his career, uh, I think we did a show together on the Patreon about the GCW weekend where I think I first saw him which I think was in the, the Indianapolis shows, right? Um, so a nice little bit of parallel parallelism there, I think, where uh, here he is in, in, in Indianapolis again. That's a hard city name to say. They got to change that. Here he is in Indianapolis <laughs> again. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what it is. Maybe probably more than a, a year since that show. That, was, that show was right in the midst of, midst of COVID. It was outdoors for that reason. Um, so yeah, very cool to see that progression where, you know, he he showed up on those shows and I hadn't seen him before and he immediately did like three things I'd never seen before. And and hell, in this match, uh, you know, pulled out some stuff I hadn't seen done in any other match before. Uh and I was very impressed by Dante Martin right there with him. Like Dante has the has the role of being a you know, incomparable high flyer. Um but was was right there going toe to toe with Lee Moriarty and these technical exchanges, like, you know, uh, <laughs> the opening match on this show was Brian Danielson versus Rocky Romero doing a lot of, you know, uh, very smooth technical sort of exchanges, even though they were still looked like they were, you know, struggling against each other. Like it was a battle. Uh, and, and by no means did Lee Moriarty and uh, Dante Martin here in this match, you know, look like they were outclassed or anything by those two all timers. So yeah, great match. Oh gosh. It, it, it's a match that I'm going to have to get like the full feed up because I'm so mad that the commercial break happened in the middle of it. Like they, you, yeah, I, as you are right now recording, you know, from Montenegro, you were able to see the entire thing, and I've never been more jealous of that until this match. Like, geez, the, it, the this match was just hook it right into my veins. Uh, another match that was explicitly like. Uh, written out for me. I mean, they pretty much made this nine o'clock hour at the uh, Mike Spears produce was Pack versus Dax Harwood, which was the main event match of the show. I just thought that, like, I know that Case Lowe said, like, this is going to be the best match of Dax Harwood's career as a singles wrestler. And, you know, I, I, I can't say that I went to a lot of Largo Loop shows or House Show Thursdays, so I can't necessarily <laughs> say if that's true, but I really loved it. I thought that it was something that had a level of brutality. We, we've been seeing a lot more brutal matches in AEW as of late. A lot of people must, like, I don't know necessarily what you put on your chest when you've had just, like, your, your chest 
broken out because of chops or kicks or something like that. But they, Dr. Samson has to have something in the back, some sort of salve or ointment, you know, to, for people's chests who have blistered up like that. But I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was something where, like, I, I, Dax did well in this match. Like, I've he held up his end of the bargain. The stuff that, like, I was really hoping that he would shine on, he shine on. I, I don't think that's... But I don't think that's unfair to say that Pac comes off each time when he comes out here as an absolute star, comes out, and each time I see him, I had to, like, remark to myself, go, like, oh, Pac is way more over than his push. Like, he, and he's someone who's relatively well-protected. Like, he is, he was left out of the Eliminator tournament for a good reason, you know, because he had to take a loss to, like, uh, I don't know, 10 or someone like that, and he came out here, and they were doing just crazy stuff, like sheer drop brain busters. The uh, rebound Liger bomb was absolutely insane, and we got a just a complete fracas afterwards, including the fact that apparently not only can Malachi Black control the lights, and I don't know if it's teleportation or move really fast under uh, under the, the guise of darkness, but Andrade, and most importantly, Jose the tablet guy was able to get to ringside as that happened. And, you know, this came out like, it, as we talk about like interwoven feuds, like with the, uh, with the Leo Rush, Dante Martin, Matt Seidel and Ali Moriarty here, we've now seen like basically two distinct feuds now completely meld into one. And, you know, it, it's a way that understandably so for people who are just completely out on Cody, it's kind of a little bit frustrating, but I think it's kind of remarkable how they were able to take two distinct things a couple months ago and merge them into one point to where we have a new match at, at full gear. And I thought that this match was just a success all across the board. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dax Harwood has only had a handful of singles matches because he is primarily a tag team wrestler, but I think he's pretty much delivered in all of them. Um, th- this is probably the best one. If I, you know, tr- sort of comparing against my recollection of the past matches. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you talked about this one because this is one where I was mostly looking at my phone um, and looking at tweets. Uh, I, the, the, the avalanche brain buster was absolutely gross. The crowd was with that the whole way. Like they recognized like, oh, this is, this is no little baby superplex. Th- this man is being dropped on the back of his head from the top of this. Uh, turnbuckle that was sick you know pack doesn't do anything but have great hard-hitting fast-paced matches um that's just what he does uh and this uh, this is another one really all the they had all these matches on here that had this the exact like kind of right right house style for me which is like a great mix of you know technical ability and uh hard-hitting and speed that is really the perfect blend of, of AEW ingredients, uh, in my opinion. Um, I don't really... <laughs> the post-match angle was like whatever to me. Um, you know, I, I, it's fine to, to put these two storylines together, I think, because, uh, I don't know, you, you put Cody with a, with a couple baby faces whose reactions are more reliable than his are, I think that's fine. Um, and, you know, they, they they did the work to establish that, you know, Andrade has this uh, alliance with FTR because he paid him off for the, the AAA Luchadors thing. Um, so that all works. Uh, I guess I don't really understand why he's buddies with Malachi Black. 
<laughs> but whatever, it's fine. Someone in the Discord say like, "Oh, it's the the, the their friends for the fact that their wives are in like cult like podcast groups or something like that." Yeah, I mean, Andrade they, they have... was managed by Malachi's wife, uh, right. but that's that's not in the text of the promotion. Like that doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't make that out. any sense, really. <laughs> um, you know, Andrade's been managed by a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also, you know, an, a, I don't know. I, I think AEW is also kind of approaching the point where they're referencing WWE too much. Tony Khan did a tweet about, wow, Bobby Fish and Adam Cole are together on AEW right now. It's like, so fucking what? They, you, <laughs> I don't know. Act like you've been there before, Tony. You don't have to, you know, make everything a, a reference back to WWE. Anyway, that's unrelated. But yeah, it it the the angle's fine. You know, it doesn't it doesn't stir my soul, but uh, it's functional. And an argument could be made by like they have not made the implicit uh, into the text uh, reference to Zelina Vega, Thea Trinidad, as you said. One could argue by the fact of doing this might actually hurt her in the company, a very, very vindictive company that's booked by the whims of a increasingly sundowning 80-year-old man. So, like, maybe, like, like, it's like, maybe we need to think of, like, another reason. I know, like, something that they've said is, oh, Andrade has friends all over the world. We've seen him with the Guerreros. Now we're seeing him with Malachi Black. That doesn't necessarily tell us why Malachi is involved. It makes sense why Andrade does, because we've seen Andrade basically procure the services of every heel possible, but does not really like spell it out there for Malachi. So I'm totally with you on that. I missed out on that Adam Cole, Bobby Fish tweet, and that's probably for the best, to be quite honest. Yeah, that was very odd to me. So, listener elites, since we have uh, two of us going, let's go with two elites for us again if you would like to submit elites or deletes the way you do it is if you become a patron at patreon.com slash everything elite at the five and eight dollar levels you get access to our discord and we have a nice handy little channel that says elite or delete and everyone submits in there nate this will surprise you probably not at all but nearly every single elite on this show we have is either about the tag match or about pack versus dax harwood so picking ones that were not about that and one that was very similar between two people so i'm just going to count this as one big money mike and i am the table table both said the the fact that the pacing of the show has felt really great and that the show clicked in every segment delivered i think that's a pretty fair assessment to say like they Sometimes these shows, these go-home shows come out really flat, but like the wrestling here was so strong at this aspect that, you know, it just was an absolute win there and everything like this was two hours that really sped by for me, at least. I know that for you, you got consumed by the post in the last half hour, so your experience might have varied there. Yeah, no, it it zoomed by for me. Um, Yeah, I agree with both those. You know, pretty much every segment was a success for what they were doing and what, and what they had booked for that segment. Um, yeah. And, and again, all the wrestling, I think pretty strong. So it, at, I wonder, I think it was successful as a go home show. Also, you know, the, that primarily is concerned with the last segment. Um, and that, that felt like a success also to me in terms of, you know, increasing hyper interest in the match or whatever. So yeah, I can't uh, can't disagree or take away from it on any of those points. 
Yeah, if you were to like go down segment by segment or match by match, basically everything on this show, with the exception of one angle, led directly into something that was already booked on the pay-per-view or would be booked on the pay-per-view. So, pardon me. I would say that, you know, like for that, that's what you want to see on your go-home show. Another elite, since those kind of rolled into one. So I guess we're doing three this week. Whatever. Uh, Aaron's not here. Daddy left, so I'm at the wheel. Uh, I am, um, yeah. Don't care for that. <laughs> Redact that. Yeah, no. But dad's away. That's fine. Daddy left. Don't like. Yeah, dad. Dad's away. Dad's away. Uh, let's go with one from Drew One Hundred One. Danielson and Rocky was great from start to finish. Four matches tonight were objectively very good. This might have been my favorite of the bunch. Yeah, Rocky Romero on this show. You know, extended an invitation to the best friends to join Chaos. Although that the two founding members of best friends were already members of chaos at that point, but came out here against Brian Danielson. And, you know, for the way that a lot of people feel about Bobby fish, Nate, that's how I feel about Rocky Romero. He just, whenever I see him, he delivers, he's always like super smooth. He's always very interesting. And it's very hard for me to, to think of like a match that he had that went bad for his on his shoulders. I just think he's like one of the more consistent and great wrestlers of this generation. Yeah, this was great to see Rocky get a big singles match featured on this show with a, you know, with a guy that can really hang with him like Danielson. Uh, the match totally delivered. I thought the, like I said before, a lot of it was you know structured around sort of their technical exchanges and and kind of a submission battle where they were going back and forth and uh, trying to get the upper hand with all these reversals, um, but you know never looked like they were. It, it it's actually amazing to watch guys this talented do stuff like that where they are acting like they're struggling against each other and, and clawing and fighting to get the spot and, and get the arm and pull it this way to do whatever. Uh, but the smoothness of their motions and just the confidence with which they, you know, grab the next move is just uh, totally flawless. Um, and yeah, it, 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 you know, it used all that to build into the finish, which uh, was a really, engrossing uh way to build into the finish um unlike the unlike the tag match which you know as those guys would do built into a bunch of high spots and dives and stuff so although uh, you know uh rocky had some cool dives also that that thing where he flung danielson out of the ring by throwing himself into the bottom rope was very cool and then dove onto him after that uh so yeah this match definitely delivered a great sort of opener here um you know to do a more more old school technical kind of wrestling deal um, before you kind of pick up the pace for your later matches. It just was like really tight also to see the fact that an Indianapolis crowd at this point, like an AEW crowds now recognize the stomps are like the big like segue into Danielson's finish. And instead of going for the label lock, which uh, Romero got his way out of uh, Danielson like immediately transferred into a tequila sunrise and, and got the win there. Like I just thought that that was really neat. I was like, these two guys are masters of the craft because they were like, all right, we know how to do this. You're like talking about like the way that, that Rocky cleared the ring that you said. And then like the finishing stretch just was an awesome TV match. And, you know, it's something that, you know, obviously for like these two guys, but especially like they brought the fact that they had like the sheer history together, that it was so cool for them to, you know, have this kind of match and that kind of rock there. And I greatly appreciated it. And let's get into the 
delete portions of this. That, that there was some stuff I would say on the show that didn't necessarily click for me, and I wonder if it's the same for you, Nate. Uh, what was your delete for tonight? Uh, the only thing I had to delete on this show really was uh, <laughs> this fucking build they've been doing on socials for at least a week about <laughs> chaos. And really, the the entire presence of chaos on this show uh, is inexplicable. Uh, and I'm a little annoyed about it. <laughs> it is. It's nice to have. It's been a while since we had a big Tony Khan overpromise. Uh, so it's nice to have that again. Um, I, I, I guess you can kind of give him a little bit of a pass. It wasn't necessarily. No, you know what? I, 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 I don't want to do that either. I'm going to pull up his tweet because he tweeted specifically about big moments on this show. And I don't, it was a very good show, but I didn't have any big moments on it. I don't think, you know, even the go home angle was like just a functional contract signing showdown thing. So he tweeted, I promise great wrestling plus big moments tonight on AEW. Were there any big moments on this show, Mike? I mean, nothing really came off like a huge moment unless you want to think about, Kenny trying to flip the narrative about Hangman and the Elite, but that didn't feel like a big moment to me. No, like a, yeah, that was a fine angle. That's not, I'm not going to remember fitting. that. Yeah, I'm not going to remember that, you know, uh, in two years. Uh, uh, so that's, Dan Lambert that, might have had a big moment. Again, that was that was yet another good angle uh, right. in that in that feud, but not not especially different from all the other good angles they've had in that feud. He also did a tweet that's like, hey, call your friends. Call your family, call your lapsed wrestling fans and tell them, tune in to AEW tonight. That's, he made that plea on Twitter. Uh, and that's kind of setting the stage for, hmm, people should check this one out. Um, they've been doing this thing on Twitter for about a week where they've been showing the clip of Rocky Romero's match on Dark from last year. Uh, and then him getting set upon by the MIA wingman, uh, and then Trent coming out for the save and Rapongi Vice uh, reuniting, and then the best friends all hugging Rocky. They did that about a week ago, started pushing that on their Twitter uh, and saying, you know, wow, Rocky Romero joined the best friends here. Does this mean the best friends are also going to join Chaos this many weeks later? And they, as we came up to this show, they really started hitting it hard. They did this pre-show video with Tony Schiavone where he drew attention to this and is like, hey, Rocky Romero, he's in chaos with people like Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii, underlining those names. And he's in the unit with Orange Cassidy. Is Orange Cassidy going to join Rocky Romero's unit? Really coming out of nowhere, except for the fact that you know, Rocky's booked on this show. We know that Okada and Ishii are in the States because they're on the New Japan show in a couple days. Um, and really, I mean, could not have drawn more attention to those names, especially naming the guys who are in the country explicitly. Then they have on Twitter, literally every tweet about the show is using the word chaos in it, where it's like, ah, we've really got this uh, chaotic situation between Adam Page and Kenny Omega and all this stuff. So this is the big build for the show. Of like, oh, we might have a big moment. Oh, also there's this thing where 
chaos is being teased for the show. Chaos, chaos, chaos. By the way, the members of chaos are Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii. And then they actually give away the payoff to this in a video they post to their Twitter like 20 <laughs> minutes before the show starts. They have Rocky Romero into a room with the best friends and go, hey, do you guys want to be in chaos? And nobody really knows what the fuck he's talking about, except Chuck Taylor, who's like, I'm already in chaos. Uh, so why are you asking me this? Also, yeah, like you said, Trent Beretta, the other best friend of the titular best friends, also already in chaos. Uh, Orange doesn't really answer. Uh, and then Chuck's like, yeah. And then Rocky takes that. Okay, you're on chaos now. So I made a joke tweet about it like, oh, they did this before the show even started. So that means that there's something else on the actual television show related to this. Otherwise, <laughs> why are they pushing chaos so hard? Uh, uh, here, like, supplemental point to this. Nobody fucking cares about chaos. <laughs> chaos is like a totally meaningless stable in New Japan at this point. It's just like the cool baby faces. The the divide between chaos and the New Japan army is is not even a divide anymore. Like, Tanahashi is teaming with Toru Yano in the World Tag League. So it doesn't mean anything to be in chaos. The only possible appeal of chaos here is that Okada and Ishii are in it. So that didn't make any fucking sense to me. And I'm annoyed by it. I'm annoyed. <laughs> I'm annoyed that they didn't even put it on the television show. They just did it in a video beforehand. They, they, they built this up for a week and then they just tweeted it. They just tweeted it. Uh, yeah. And like you had the fact that like Rocky was like, yeah, I, y'all are in chaos. Who was not out there during the big beatdown HFO versus best friends? Rocky Romero. Yeah. You just recruited the guy, the guys. Why aren't you out there helping them? Like, it just like, it, it, it's something that like. <laughs> God, you, you're, you're totally right. I didn't even. <laughs> they made such a big fucking deal. I think. Excalibur said the word chaos 18 times on this show. Right. Oh, and again, nobody cares about chaos except that Okada's in it. And then <laughs> they make all this, they pay all this attention into the point that Orange Cassidy is now in this stable with, and Wheeler Yuta is now in this stable. And then these guys are getting beat up and their new <laughs> friends are nowhere to be found. It's yeah. It, it, it's something where it's like, yeah, it's unreasonable to think that Okada or Ishii will be at full gear because they have a show that's going to be starting while full gear happens out in California. So, I mean, yeah, no, like that's totally okay. But when you do like a build like this, you better like say like, all right. So when you're doing like the, the lineup for rampage, they added match to the buy-in and the match made for full gear. Then you say like, Okada has seen what's happened to his new chaos teammates and he's going to be there Wednesday. You at least like have that there because then you have pulled all the focus. You've been begging people, essentially begging people to watch your program and you've been plugging chaos so much. Then you say, all right, Kazuchika Okada is going to be on the show next week. You have that card there and you have the enticement for people to come back. If people are going to watch just to, hoping to see Okada or Ishii on the show and did not get it and they were only watching for that, why should they turn back in on Wednesday? There's no reason. Yes. No, you're 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 asking to disappoint people by doing that. Um but yeah, that you know, you're totally right that it doesn't make any sense for them to have put Okada or Ishii on this show with the big New Japan show on the exact same day as Full Gear. Like 
they're not helping themselves really in any way by putting Okada on here, except for the idea that they, he might draw more eyeballs or something, which I don't know if it's true. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it doesn't help any of the programs going into full gear to have Okada or Ishii on this show. So the correct thing to do is to get past the pay-per-view. And then if you're going to do a program with chaos involved in it, then you do it on next week's show, the post pay-per-view show, you come back and you do this big angle. That's absolutely correct for how you should correctly book this, but they didn't pace that fucking correctly at all. (laughs) They started setting up the answer to be, they started setting up the answer to be addressed on this show. All the intrigue, the question that we had to tune in to find out, they started setting up at the end of last week's show. What they should have done was lay that groundwork starting on this week's show. That way you can go to next week's show and be like, hey, are the best friends in chaos? What's going on? Is chaos going to help them with the Hardy family office who keeps beating their ass? Then you answer that next week and then you can debut those guys and you can do a big fuck off angle uh, and have some excitement coming out of your pay-per-view. But instead, you have all signs pointed to it happening on this show. You have Tony Schiavone go on the AW YouTube channel this morning and go, are Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii going to help Orange Cassidy? And then <laughs> you don't have them on the show and they don't help them. Uh, and and anybody that tuned in to see that or the, the idea of that just goes, okay, uh, I guess AEW doesn't deliver what they tell us going to be us on the, tell us what it is going to be on the show. So that was insane to me that, uh, you know, just one of these classic unforced errors coming out of an overpromise where you say there's going to be big moments and you start explicitly naming exciting people and then you don't do them <laughs> and you do a totally a, a, a great wrestling show other than that. But at the end of the night, because you didn't do that, you have people going, Oh, I thought Okada was going to be there. It's just unforced errors. And that's yeah. kind of a thing that it's like, I, I do wonder, like, as you said about like, the new viewership that would be turning in for Okada. Like, I do believe that there still are people who would only turn into All Elite Wrestling to see Kazuchika Okada or Tomohiro Ishii. I do believe that. But, like, the percentage of that, I think by a week, but by the week, that Venn diagram, I would say, is starting to get more and more, like, overlapping at this point. Like, it, it was something more so that I felt like might have not been the case in 2020. But now I feel like that that Venn diagram is pretty overlapping now. Um, my delete. Uh, I, it's something that like I don't think is a bad thing necessarily. But for a for a go home show, a lot of things kind of stuck out to me about the segments on the show. And this I, I will admit this is splitting hairs here. But the fact that basically every single hype. Uh, video that they had for the show with the exception of stuff that happened in the parking lot. The parking lot was instrumental on the show this week. Felt like that it was stuff that they've already pre-taped that's going to be shown on Countdown after Rampage. Like every like single sit-down thing, like I was talking about in Discord of, about like what they would do for uh, Eddie Kingston and CM Punk. I was like, oh, they're probably going to replay Eddie's awesome promo he had at Road 2. Like that makes perfect sense to have here. So instead of that, you have like this IWA Mid-South setup with their history and their splice with things happening at Rampage and a lot of sit-down stuff that they usually tape for Countdown. And that was the case for, even for stuff that's not going to be on pay-per-view, Ruby, Ruby Soho versus Chris Satlander. It looks like it's going to be the first TBS title tournament match coming up here. 
was all like sit down stuff that like felt like it was something you could have used for countdown air splice with dark and elevation so i guess like my delete here is just like i'm totally fine and i think it's one of the smart things they've done is when they have like the sit down so if like jr excalibur taz tony shivoni and they all kind of are doing talking head stuff here but the fact that virtually i'm going through basically all of these segments here and nearly every single match that they were building up for the pay-per-view that did not have stuff happen in ring or had an angle here like was all stuff that i fully assume is going to be on countdown i just felt like there was a lack of variety there and i felt like they could have done a lot more in that regard yeah there's something to be said for sort of getting getting kind of a buzz for pay-per-view match off of a out-of-ring segment that uh, just wasn't present here. I mean, I do think the Eddie and Punk thing was pretty functional. It didn't have the, you know, real vigor of the in-ring confrontation they did where you could see the guys' crazy looks on their faces and this stuff. Um, but, yeah, there's there's just something about – I don't know, that, that Eddie promo on – the road to was so good and had such a different energy to it uh, and could have created kind of that swell of buzz about this match. Not that the match really needs more, but yeah, there was something missing in the, in the specific pay-per-view build mold that I would have liked to see probably on this show. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, and that's, like, my overall kind of thing about this was, like, it felt like that, like, especially with, like, Eddie Kingston's having himself a moment, and that's awesome. Like, he had the incredible player tribune column, you know, we have that segment from Rampage that I think is going to be, like, one of those segments that really, for Eddie Kingston, is going to be very defining. I hope, I, I hope it's better remembered than, like, some other stuff that's happened in this promotion here, but if this is something that, that like, brings me as much joy as Eddie Kingston addresses his enemies and leading off with God, then I think <laughs> that that's just tremendous stuff here. And it's felt like that they could have capitalized more on that other than having a pull apart in the parking lot and just stuff that looks like it's from Countdown. So I guess I'm now narrowing yeah. my focus on the CM Punk and Eddie Kingston build, I guess. I've advocated a lot for them using more replays. Um, because I honestly, I think just repeating things helps it sink in. I, wrestling fans love repeating catchphrases just because someone says to them a lot. It's like the favorite thing for wrestling fans to do. I kind of think maybe the the Rampage segment was so good. I, I, I think you can kind of just maybe run half of that back. Maybe do that and then the parking lot, you know, thing backstage. Um, I'm not sure exactly. Like, you don't want to advertise that either of those guys were going to be on this show because obviously they weren't. Um, but maybe there's some middle ground there where, you know, but Rampage has a smaller viewership than Dynamite. So maybe you want to put some eyes on that segment and go, hey, if you didn't see Rampage, look at all this shit and, and replay that. And build to Rampage this Friday with them. Right. Yeah, uh, there was the maybe. I mean, this may just be again that it's like AEW is not doing things in the traditional mold of how a go home show should feel to me. So I kind of bristle about that. But you know, <laughs> they uh, most of this wrestling, most of this show is like unrelated wrestling. It was really good wrestling matches that yeah. have not much to do with the pay per view that's coming up, um, and they were good. So I enjoyed watching it. 
but I guess you take like an old school uh, perspective about building toward the matches and, and building hype for them, whatever. And uh, it did feel like there was a little, little element of that missing where it's like, we want a little bit of the pomp and circumstance and the spectacle where they're doing the sit down interviews and they're uh, narrowing down on some of those matches more and, and trying to get to a, trying to better define a core idea idea for those matches about what they're about or, or, you know, why they're appealing. No, no, that that's, that's totally fair. I I think you're dead on about that. And also I know I had a problem this a lot. Pay-per-views are are one of their biggest sources of variable income. And if you're something that wants to hope for like AEW looks like it's doing great. looks like it has a bright future ahead of itself, but it's something that like more pay-per-view buys are something that's always going to help them. And you could argue that, like not focusing and narrowing in, like you said, it could be something that detracts people when you have random Orange Cassidy, Best Friends, and HFO stuff happening yet again. Like it's just, you're, you're not selling a pay-per-view off that match. You're selling a pay-per-view off of more CM Punk and Eddie stuff and reminding of that. You're selling the pay-per-view off of other stuff that's happened on the show. So I, I think you're totally justified in saying that. Listener deletes, uh, looking into the Discord, uh, one from a new patron grinder. Uh, I'm continuing Aaron's rule. If you are a newer patron, make sure that you get your stuff on the show. Grinder says, Don Callis kind of sucks. Oh, Definitely. I don't agree. I was so happy to see Don Callis back here. I can't agree with this. Bad cameraman. Sucky cameraman. I think that's fair <laughs> to say. Uh, yeah, well, when you're a cameraman, you shouldn't cross in front of the other cameraman while they're while they're the active <laughs> shot. That's for sure. <laughs> and, and and whoever's stringing your cables, you make sure that your the cable is strong so it's not obtrusively in other people's shots. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, you know, Don Callis probably does suck IRL, uh, but as a character, he really completed the Kenny Omega act and. Uh, you know, we, the, the good brothers have been missing cause the TNA relationship is, is probably or possibly over. Uh, but we were talking the other day, it's like, well, Don Callis isn't in TNA anymore. So where has he been? Uh, it turns out they were working us perfectly and he was hiding and missing because he was, uh, setting up his, his fake facial hair, which he wore under a mask, <laughs> uh, so he could do this attack. So I, I was delighted to see Don Callis here. Uh, I think he's really good. You would think that, like, in 2021, like, people would think, like, oh, you don't need the fake facial hair as a deception here. If you're wearing a facial mask, you don't need that, other than it's just funny the fact that you're still committing to that bit. Yes, that did make it funny. It's, it's you know, it's Sting wearing his own face, kind yeah. of. Yeah. R- <laughs> Not r- really, r- but a little bit. R- yeah, totally in that vein. Uh, another listener elite, uh, or delete, Chelsea. Miro's inability to diversify his promo styles ex- is exposing how stale he is because we got yet another Miro wanting to get back to his wife and being an unquestioning or questioning God and not knowing his relationship with him. And he tied it into now being in the Eliminator tournament, but it was the same kind of promo he's been doing since losing the TNT title. No, I disagree with this one also. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just bad at choosing these, apparently, for Nate. Nate. Well, I, I mean, uh, Mira's promos continue to rock. It's not... I mean, I don't want him to do different promo styles when the promos he does are good. He's, uh, And it's not like the promos are the same every time. He's still obsessed with the same things because that's his character. Uh, but now he's been put into this tournament and he's... Uh, locked onto this idea of winning this other title when he was, you know, probably much further away from a title when uh, before Moxley left. 
but yeah, I thought the tone of this was perfect. I think there was a uh, more interesting music choice they put behind this promo this week um, that I think put it, cast it in kind of a new light, even if it is a little bit of the same idea, but that's, that's the character. He's, uh, you know, obsessed with his God having forsaken him and needing to find redemption. Uh, and all of this is really in service of fucking his hot, flexible wife. Um, so yeah, if he's obsessed with those ideas, uh, then it's just correct that he would continue to talk about them all the time. And he's just riveting enough on screen that I, I, it doesn't, does not at all come across as stale or anything to me. So, um, sorry, listeners, Nate is calling you out this week. I, I, I'm going to put the blame on me because I'm the one who's choosing these. So I apologize. Sorry, listeners, Mike let you down. I let people down a lot. That's entirely fair. Uh, going through the rest of the show, uh, we went really long on the fr- uh, on Elite or Delete. So, but we talked about a lot of the stuff on the show. We've talked about Brian Danielson versus Rocky Romero. Brian Danielson won with the Tequila Sunrise out of the stomps. Uh, next, we had Inner Circle, American Top Team, and Men of the Year. American Top Team attacked Inner Circle as they were supposed to do a segment with Tony Schiavone. And the, the key notes of this is Junior DeSantos doesn't necessarily know how to wield a Kino stick. And that, and that got a note for me. And Dan Lambert powerbombed Chris Jericho through the table off the top rope. Scorpio Sky did a JR impress and said, this is the only, this is only the start and the full thing will be at full gear. Ethan Page claims that when they win, he'll make sure that Dan Lambert will pin Chris Jericho, but tonight he's going to make sure uh, Jericho taps out to Dan Lambert. Lambert puts him in the walls to Jericho. Lambert screams in the microphone. He calls it a Boston Crab from Championship Wrestling in Florida, 1975, and the real Rocky Johnson. Yeah, this was excellent. Um, I think they actually interrupted the playing of Judas, so they immediately got huge heat. I mean... This is another one where I I seem to be in conflict with a lot of our, our listeners or whatever, but I, I think this angle and this feud has been pretty much great from the beginning. It got a new life when they went to Miami uh, and the crowd just, the crowd heat just immeasurably uh, uh, peaked even higher. Wait, was that Miami or was that Orlando or something? It was Florida, I think. Um, but the Dan Lambert continues to be amusing and, uh, uh, interesting, but also just get tons of crowd heat every time he's out there. And him doing the shittiest top rope powerbomb of all time was pitch perfect for that. And he then basically putting dropped the- him. He dropped yes. him. Yes. And then he and then he jumped around like a like a giddy schoolboy uh, and then put him in a Boston Crab and was screaming on the mic about it. All awesome. The crowd is going to be frothing to see him get his ass beat in the match. Um, you know, uh, people are I have been negative on, you know, Chris Jericho doing his old school misogynistic wrestling shtick or whatever. That's totally valid. I, I understand complaints about that, but in terms of the, you know, heat for this angle and feud in terms of the promo performances uh, and, you know, egging the crowd on in the direction they want them to go in uh, and all those little elements, this is, I think been pretty much awesome the whole time. Yeah, no, for me, as soon as like he dropped like the cringe culture war stuff, I was completely aboard. I knew Dan Lambert was a great promo. He was a great promo when he was in Miami when they came back on tour. Like seeing like him in front of that crowd when I was at that show and him like in his hometown completely like having the, the crowd wanting to destroy him, even at the start, I knew this could have been pretty great. And it's going to be like it's 
the, the focus of the match is going to be Dan Lambert getting his ass kicked. And they did a lot there to kind of get us to that point. Uh, next was the trios match. We didn't get a chance to talk about this yet. Britt Baker, Jimmy Hayter, and Rebel versus Ty Conti, Anna Jay, and Thunder Rosa. Uh, Ty Conti won with the DD tie on Rebel. Uh, I have grown to uh, have a deep appreciation in Rebel, Nate. I know it's something that you've been like, whenever you see Brandon Cutler, you're really high on Cutler as like an ideal flunky. Buddy, Rebel's been doing it for longer and is funnier and is even more incompetent. It's perfect. Mm. I mean, I, you know, I'm also a Rebel fan. I don't know if she's funnier. She's definitely in the conversation uh, in terms of great funky performances as compared to Cutler. Uh, but I also, her first exchange in this match where she came out, um, oh shit, who is she? She came out like a house. On, oh, so they did the big, so first of all, Thunder Rosa, I mean, maybe the second most over person in this match, which Makes it all the more perplexing. Everywhere they go, Thunder Rosa gets massive reactions. Yeah, uh, and they just don't—they just don't use her. Um, Riho gets big reactions every time she's on dark. Every time we get a live report about a a dark taping or whatever, she's not on television, not in the promotion. Um, but anyway, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker do the big—you know—confrontation, uh, uh, you know, battle, stare down uh, since they have a long-running rivalry, and Britt begs off. Tags out to Rebel. Rebel comes in like a house of fire. She's trying to throw like the most intense punches at Thunder Rosa. Uh, and then she has to go in there and she's basing for for Thunder Rosa to do this offense on her. And I was like, damn, you know, there was a time when Rebel was like, you know, going back to like Impact. It's like, oh, Rebel is one of the X worst wrestlers in the world. Uh, and I was like, hey, you know, Rebel, who came into this company basically as a makeup artist, and then found this role with Brit during the pandemic because they didn't, uh, you know, have enough people or needed somebody uh, to be her sort of second for whatever. Uh, and now she's found herself in this role where she's semi-regularly wrestling on television uh, and I think gets better at it every time she's out there or at least doesn't fully, you know, expose the match or show her ass or whatever every time she's out there. So I also <laughs> came out of this like, first of all, impressed with thunder rosa continuing to get massive reactions and be under pushed uh and then second i was like yeah hell yeah rebel she's like continuing to to make her way in this yeah and also ty conti got to sniff a whole lot of people and what's not there to like i mean just went yes. across the board uh, that's yeah that's the evergreen ty conti match review uh she came out with a bunch of energy she was uh you know her, her face is always uh interesting and and doing kind of little idiosyncratic pro wrestling things that make you interested. And in, uh, she just has a, yeah. a great physical charisma. Uh, and then she pays that off by just fucking hitting people really hard. And that's all you have to do. Uh, and that's all it takes. I, I, I can't imagine not enjoying a Ty Conti match. Yeah, no. So that was a whole lot of fun. Uh, we had a segment building up the TBS title tournament. Mentioned this briefly before. Uh, Ruby Soho and Chris Statlander. Ruby said that she used to respect Chris Statlander. She knew Chris Statlander beforehand. But now we're in this tournament. Respect doesn't mean shit. Chris Statlander kind of meandering promo. Which ended with her basically introducing herself. We had clips from Dark and Elevation. Where both of them were bailing each other out. But the last bailout was Ruby Soho coming in with a lead pipe. 
and Chris Satlander turning and seeing her with a lead pipe. And, you know, I thought this was effective building up. They've done a decent job building up each of the core final matches in the TBS tournament. I think it's fair to say, like, between, like, this with the uh, Velvet and, and Jay Cargill stuff and then, you know, uh, Nyla Rose and Hikaru Shida and Jimmy Hayter and Thunder Rose. So I think they've done a solid job here. And it was good, you know, to highlight, like, the one match they really haven't had a chance to on TV here. Yeah, did you know, Mike, that uh, Chris Stalander, she's one of the newest members of Chaos? She is. She is. She's not the first female member of Chaos, though. Probably not, no. But it's... Uh, Maria. Well, well, you know, Thoros, of course, the New Japan Factions expert, uh, said it's it, there's some there's some expert disagreement about whether the kingdom was truly inducted into Chaos or if they were sort of, uh, you know, adjacent allies that's fair so so either you know the first or the second according to your belief on you know uh matt taven's position in in chaos <laughs> yeah oh man you know we got the uh totally unnecessary and unasked for uh adam cole and bobby fish reunion here yeah i would much rather see a reunion of kingdom with adam cole and matt taven and uh mike bennett that would be so much more exciting to me oh it's just having like the the uh the the kingdom theme music uh i don't know if you want to bring in nick cersei here but that's an option here as well <laughs> oh my god yeah and matt hardy's right there ready willing and waiting for another stable the um, icon title into the title yes. of love oh my god this is come on tony this is the move get out of here with this undisputed era stuff uh we had jungle boy and anthony bowens this was set up on twitter as the acclaim like going at uh tony khan uh jungle boy one of the snare trap uh i thought this was a lot of fun uh there was a uh, max caster rap where he was just finding all kinds of ways to put down jungle boy uh, ahead of time uh the my big takeaway from this thing and also from uh rampage anthony bowens might be like the best great heel of the week fodder you know just have him get he goes in there he has a solid to great match with the baby face they get put over and anthony bowens just has an awesome match yeah that's the you know the the thing about max caster's raps not one of my favorite this week he, you know it was a little more uh a little more chalk pro wrestling talk a little more in your Chris Jericho vein of a heel promo or whatever. Uh, but still, you know, he succeeds every time he's out there in terms of getting huge reactions for his lines uh, and getting the audience where he wants them with his raps. Uh, so that's what's really perfect about this act. And Anthony Bowens is a single is if you're not going to feature Anthony Bowens at the moment, or you're not going to push the tag team at the moment. You come have Max Haster come out. He's going to establish them as a heel and a big heel and a hated heel and a heel the uh, the crowd wants to see get beaten, you know, in in whatever it is, 90 seconds, uh, regardless of how many times you beat them. Yeah. So, yeah, great. Just gets their heat back immediately. Uh, Bobby Fish laid out Jungle Boy post-match, and then eventually uh, the Jurassic Express and Christian made the save. We had a backstage segment. Uh, Hangman and uh, Kenny Omega. This looks like this was more stuff from that will be shown on Countdown. Hangman talked about having to watch his friends become champion. Omega could not relate to Hangman, and that's because why the fans latch onto him, and you know the fans can relate to that. Hangman wants nothing more than the title, and Kenny Omega brings up that he does not lose big matches, but Hangman always does. 
Super click backstage. This was Bobby Fish. Adam Cole trying to introduce Bobby Fish to the Bucks. Like, we have all this written canon about the everyone kind of knows each other. And, but Adam Cole has completely disregarded Red Dragon versus the Young Bucks in Ring of Honor. Can uh, Nick Jackson's like, yeah, no, we know each other. And he's okay <laughs> at the vouch. And Adam Cole wants j- the uh, Bobby Fish and Jungle Boy match on Friday. But he wants Bobby Fish to leave a piece of Jungle Boy left for Saturday. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, this is... With the assumption that Kyle O'Reilly is coming in soon, then there are people saying that his contract is coming up soon. Um, you know, they're laying groundwork for like a undisputed era. And uh, I don't even want to call them that. It's Red Dragon and Super Click, you know, kind of ha- ha- having an alliance or a team or whatever, um, which is good. You've got the the common thread of Adam Cole there with uh, Future Shock and the Undisputed Era um, and all that. So that all makes sense and then down the line you always go back to red dragon versus young bucks because that's a you know great long time feud with some of the best junior tag matches ever so that's that's all well and good uh i'm i'm not i'm not going to complain at the long-term direction of that the short-term direction of that where it's bobby fish on television every week uh is boring to me i th- we thought we were gonna get a respite we thought that w- that, that he ran it through a system but apparently that's not the case uh the CM Punk and Eddie Kingston uh, countdown kind of thing. A lot of IWA Mid-South clips interspliced, interspliced with the Rampage interview. And the only thing really from the sit-downs was JR talked about, like, Eddie Kingston's going to want to fight, and and Punk's been brawling a whole lot more. I want to see CM Punk wrestle. I mean, it was kind of chalk there. Uh, Wardlow versus Wheeler Yuta. I, I will I'll I will run down the match in like ten seconds. Yuta got a quick like shine, and then what? And then Wardlow absolutely murdered him with four power bombs, and then the casualty of war actually going for the pen off of the casualty of war and not getting the ca- the knockout there. HFO layout best friends and a chair wrap side effect on Orange Cassidy afterwards. Yeah, I don't I don't know why they don't do this with Wardlow once a month. I mean, they do it on Rampage or they do it on Dark and Elevation. But not on TV. They should yeah, be. The, the, yeah, the, do it on TV where where people watch, <laughs> right. like like you know hundreds of thousands more people watch. It's it, you can do it with third, Wardlow in forty five seconds with an entrance. Mm-hmm. Um, they should fucking do it all the time. Um, and he, I guess maybe <laughs> the one drawback to doing it, not even really a drawback, even doing it against uh, Yuda, who's a babyface and allied with all these babyfaces. When Wardlow just starts power bombing him four times in a row, he starts getting face reactions because it's awesome. So how do you not cheer him? But that's even that's fine because you you're going to cheer him when he turns on MJF anyway. So you want the fans to like him a little bit anyway. Uh, the match <laughs> uh, did Wheeler Yuta turn away from the the casualty of war? He's supposed to land like with his face on the knee, right? Yeah, and it kind of looked twisted away and didn't want to take the bump and hit it on his back or something. It, it's something with Casualty of War. Maybe it's something that it is better on Dark and Elevation because they can edit the right camera angle for that because they did definitely kind of catch him turning away on that. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a sick-looking move mm-hmm. when it... I, it's like the GTS. Actually, it's... Yeah, it's like the GTS in that when it's done correctly and when a guy really knows how to take it or, or, or just fucking fully eats the leg, then it looks awesome. It looks like the best finisher in the world. But if you have a bad camera angle or you have a guy who doesn't know how to take it or it's not executed well or whatever, then it's like, Oh, okay. That, that was kind of dumb looking. Absolutely. Uh, 
CM Punk and Eddie Kingston backstage pull apart in the parking lot. Uh, everyone kind of just trying to pulling them apart. Sanjay Dutt prominently on screen. Good for Sanjay. And uh, just kind of kind of revisiting what they did on Friday and CM Punk shouting at him that he will see him on Saturday. So, you know, that's what they do with CM. AT shouting out that uh, ROH legend Shane Hagedorn was here. Nice. I mean, f- did he ever win the top trophy one, the top prospect trophy? I feel like that he was around that time at the top prospect trophy. I don't know. I didn't watch ROH at the time. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, then we had uh, Matt Seidel, Lee Moriarty versus Leo Rush and Dante Martin. We've talked about this. Dante won with the double jump moonsault on Lee. The Miro segment, uh, he did have a good quote in this Miro segment where he's like, you came here to feel alive, but you must understand that this is a man holding a scythe. I thought that was pretty sick, that line from Miro. Uh, Pack versus Dax Harwood. He almost talked? always has at least one good line in these. He does. He does. And it's something that like him being like a Grim Reaper, you know, very fitting there. Uh, Pack versus Dax Hardwood. We've talked about this. It was a backslide into the brutalizer. Uh, lights went. Cash came out for the beatdown. Lights out. Andrade and Malachi Black joined in. Jose, the tablet guy, cheering on from ringside. After a while, Lucha Brothers come down from the ramp. Alex Abrahantes takes his damn time. Cody comes in from the crowd, and Arn Anderson has to walk down all the steps as well. Hey, Arn got his Fitbit steps in for the day. And Cody taking his time even more than Abrahantes here. Cody was like, <laughs> ah, this is much further than I realized. I, I'm getting cheers. I need to soak it in for a second. Uh, MJF and Darby, this was a lot of fourth. Pillar's thoughts and Darby mentioned that he saw his face before and this is where I really started to feel like the countdown vibe was really heavy here. Uh, did you think much more of that? Um, I think I was looking at my phone doing this. Yeah. Uh, Elite and Dark Order were forced out of the arena for the contract signing. Uh, Hangman Page said he didn't have much to say but the sooner he signs it the sooner he could be his ass. He should have walked out then. It's like alright my job's here is done. I don't have to witness you signing this. We're getting this on videotape. I'm out of here. But instead Kenny tried to glad hand, but isn't excited. Kenny brought up Hangman's insecurities and failures, but he said the fact that, but the thing is you're only portraying one side of the story, and that's the fact that the elite were really the ones helping him back up, not the fans. This got underneath Hangman's skin. He alluded to Kodabushi as someone that Kenny felt like a a failure in comparison to, but you might have surpassed him now with everything. Brought up that Kenny said good job and that he was proud last year at at full gear. Heyman thinks of that. He was trying to negate him and put him down again to his head. But Kenny wants to have a handshake for one last time. And he does say, good job. I am proud. And then we have the bad cameraman who is Don Callis. Clocks him with the camera. Claims he was hanging in his basement. And we cut to black with uh, Kenny Omega signing the contract in Hangman's blood using his fingers. It, I don't think that that actually makes that a legally admissible document. But Mega Prek was not out there saying, no, you need to actually like draw this here's a fountain pen for you to draw the blood to sign this with because i don't think your your you signing for your fingers is going to be recognized in a court of law i think that it would be okay. um i mean yeah you know really he, he just has to to express his consent to the contract in uh whatever way he sees fit you know if he were to uh uh, uh put his thumb in an ink pad and put his thumbprint down uh, I think that would probably be regarded as a, a valid assent to the contract. Um, so, you know, attempting to scrawl his name with uh, with his finger and blood, uh, you know, it would probably come down to a, a court decision, but I would be inclined to say that it would. Um, 
yeah, this was, you know, this was not a high concept or high difficulty kind of idea for what they were doing. You know, it's a contract signing between the, the champion and the challenger before the world title match. Uh, and then you have the the heel champion lay out the challenger after the challenger gets in a few good lines on him. Um, but that can be harder to do than is always apparent. Like it can be hard to write the good lines that people pop for uh, and really, you know, uh, establish who the characters are and, and what the feud's about. So they did a good job on those. Uh, and like they said, they got me with the Don Callis disappearing thing. Uh, so having him pop up here. And again, him crossing right in front of the camera kind of made you think something was up. Uh, so all of that, you know, had me pretty engrossed about this. So, um, you know, I'm 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 not I'm not feeling this like oh the, this match is gonna be the best match of all time, and they're gonna go out and have a classic, and it's gonna be seven stars, and it's you know the the text of the match, or the content of the match is gonna be so exciting to me. I'm mostly as excited for the hangman crowding moment as I have been for some time. Like, right. But you know, it's always good to, to deposit some more money in that bank and be like, yeah, you know, this is the guy you like, here's why you like him. And the heel, you know, got his comeuppance on him after, after hangman was, uh, you know, riding pretty high for a couple of weeks there. So yeah, I, I think it was pretty successful. And I think the match is, uh, is established well for the main event of their big pay-per-view. Yeah, because, I mean, the, the big thing about this match is the hangman crowning moment. Like, yeah, w- whatever kind of match they have, you know, if it's a great match, then it's going to be remembered more fondly. But really, it's all about hangman winning at this point. It does. Well, like, it could just be 50 minutes of rest holds. But if hangman wins and the crowd isn't dead by then, the 50 minutes of rest holds, then job's accomplished there. I, I It's the, the, the text isn't about having a great match. It's about the two and a half year story of hangman Adam page. So, mm. you know, it, it was successful in that. Uh, if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is on patreoncom slash everything elite. We have three tiers, $3, $5, $8. We basically put out about two to three extra shows a week is the deal for $3. You get AEW light. It is our Wednesday morning pregame show for dynamite. It usually is Aaron and I previewing Dynamite, talking about the YouTube content through the week, and Nate coming in with some BTE quick hits. That was a long BTE this week, all about eating some spicy jelly beans, Nate. So, you know, you you could have done play-by-play, but I think that you covered it quite well. Yeah. Don't don't get the eating spicy things phenomenon. There was (laughs) Who was it in our Discord that ate a spicy thing? Was it Table? I think it was table. That seems like a table thing. Yeah. Not ramen though. You know, content makers, you know, I understand they're, they're debasing themselves for clicks or whatever. Um, like, like ourselves, like you and me here on this podcast, uh, but table just eating the spicy thing for fun and the privacy of his own. Uh, (laughs) that's a new, that, uh, that I don't understand. I would rather enjoy my evening and not have the terrible chip inside me. The, the, that's fair. You, you don't want to have to eat the hot chip just for yourself. You want to no. eat it for the audience to monetize it. Yeah. That's right. So that's what we have for the $3 tier, the $5 tier. You get all of our audio content. We have World Tour, which is our Rampage recap show. We have our 
pay-per-view instant reactions where we do a live stream immediately right after. And if you're not staying up late, it'll be in your podcast feed the next day. We also have other programming, such as this week we did a retrospective of last year's full gear which i would argue was probably the show that the three of us collectively forgot the most of and then previewing full gear as well we do other shows aaron has an ongoing series called this is talking about important matches in people's career and we talk basically whatever we feel about talking about you want more of ee you go to patreon.com slash everything elite and also at eight dollars you get to sit in on the live tapings of everything elite each week and you know, looking ahead, Nate, uh, we did get some stuff put ahead for Rampage. Jungle Boy versus Bobby Fish. Orange Cassie versus Matt Hardy in a Lumberjack match. Uh, Wiccaface was really disturbed by the fact that this was going on here and the fact that this feud was continuing. And it was like, this better not be a buy-in match. This better not be a buy-in match. Rest assured, Adam, it is on Rampage. And then we had uh, added to the buy-in matches, Jimmy Hayter and Nyla Rose versus Thunder Rosa and Hikarashita. And then added to full gear, Pack and Cody versus Andrade El Idolo and Malachi Black. Uh, do you have any takeaways about these matches for Rampage and full gear? No. All right. And then I think it's got, that will do it for us this week. Uh Thank you all for listening for us for the last episodes. Nate, luckily you had one more thing you were going to say. I'm just going to hit it again. That uh, make sure you're on our individual feed, so you keep getting the show. But next week, episode 150, it's a big round number. Um, and yeah, go on the podcast app. We already got one one star review for leaving the VOW network. Uh, so <laughs> anyone else that enjoys the show, <laughs> go give us some five star reviews. And again, write about how nice and cute we are and sweet and and good boys. Absolutely. Please do. And that's going to do it. So that's that's it. So for Aaron, who's on assignment, who will be back next week. For Nate, I'm Mike. That's it for Everything Elite. We will catch you down the road. Take care. I